0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, o Lord. Jesus proposed another parable to the crowd, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While everyone was asleep, his enemy came and sowed weeds all through the wheat and then went off. When the crop grew and bore fruit, the weeds appeared as well. The slaves of the householder came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where have the weeds come from? He answered, an enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, do you want us all to go and pull them up? He replied, no, if you pull up the weeds, you might uproot the wheat along with them. Let them grow together until harvest. Then at the harvest time, I will say to the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them into bundles for burning, but gather the wheat into my barn. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So, I... Um, I only live here in Old St. Pat's part-time and I live but I'm actually up in Westchester is where my religious house is and and so I do a lot of commuting back and forth so I have a lot of time to listen to podcasts and and uh and talks and usually as you might guess focus a little bit more on spiritual matters and or apologetic type things and, and every once in a while you hear one thing just one too many times and it becomes a homily and that's what you're going to get right now and it was this I was listening to this interview of a a, a gentleman who's probably a, an agno, uh, agnostic, and he was interviewing this this uh, scientist, who was, uh, scientist who was a great scientist who's a very much a proponent of of intelligent design, and and so he was he was digging into that, and and then and the, as soon as the scientist would make some points, I mean the scientist was a Christian, I mean a practice, he's probably Protestant, but uh, very very much practicing, very convinced, and very open about that. But as soon as he'd get anywhere, the interviewer would say, but but what about evil? What about I mean, what about, uh, why, why is there so much evil in the world? And why do people do these things? Why does it, if God's so good, why does he just get rid of those people? And, and then we'd all be better off, right? And there's so many cir- circumstances, situations in the world, you think, where is God? Why isn't he doing something? So that was what was bothering me a lot. It's like, come on, come on, answer him. Come on, you can do it, you can do it, Mr. Scientist, you can do it. And, and it just wasn't coming out. He, he got, got off on another tangent. So this is the answer, hopefully, that the Scripture um, is providing us. First of all, there isn't an easy canned answer. It's, oh, it's just because of this, right? Oh, okay, I didn't realize it was that simple. No, it's not that simple. It never is. But when we go into Scripture and allow ourselves to soak in it and allow it to and allow not not just to simply go in and try to pluck out the answer we're looking for the one we're hoping we find i hope it does this and i hope it's allowing me to do that and it and i think it ought to say this but allow ourselves to be completely opened up to say no allow it to speak allow the lord to speak to you God spent about a thousand. Oh, this is a little aside. God spent about a thousand years inspiring people to write different things. That's about like all the scripture from from the book of Genesis all the way to the end of the when the last epistle was was written spans about a thousand years. That's a long time. So there's a lot packed in there. A lot of wisdom. That's the name of the book that from the first reading. Okay. So that's our existential question. Why doesn't God fix the evil that's happening in that country over there and just get rid of that dictator? Why doesn't God get rid of the evil in my friend, my neighbor over here? There's good in there and there's bad, and why doesn't he just pull out that bad? It's so obvious to everyone except him or her. And maybe the more sensitive question, why doesn't God just pull the evil out of me? Because I see some thorns growing up inside of me, and I cheat, try to keep plucking at them and, and, and getting at them, but it's, they're just not going away. So, first of all, I wanted to reference the first reading. As far, the, the first argument against this is to say, well, well, God must not be strong enough. He just can't do it. Already the Book of Wisdom is it's speaking against that. It's, it's saying, you, it, it's, it's reminding us. Again, this is inspired, this isn't just random what somebody happened to think about the matter. No, this is like God inspiring this individual in his own thoughts, in his own words, expressing out what, what here. You are the master of might. Power, whenever you will, attends you. There, there isn't a single thing that God can't do. I mean, like for like not being strong. He could come along and say, okay, in that country over there, that guy gone, that lady gone. And your friend over here inside of them, the good and the bad, I'm just going to pull that out. And inside of you too. God can do that. That's not beyond the scope of his capabilities. Maybe every once in a while it does seem to happen. But though you're the master of might, you judge with clemency and with so much lenience you govern us. Lenience. Does, does that mean he's being soft on us? He just said, like, well, you know, they really can't do any better, so I'll just give them a. I'll give him a C minus and just let it go. I don't know, that doesn't sound right to me. But it's pointing to the fact that God can and doesn't always do something. There's something else that's driving him. It's mercy, it's leniency, clemency. But though you're the master master of might, you judge with clemency. And you gave your children good ground for hope that you would permit repentance from their sins. So I think what this points to, first of all, is that, is that God's up to something. He's not looking the other way. He's not like, oh gosh, I really don't want to have to deal with this. Can we just, well, just, I'll just pretend it's not happening I'll, I mean, that's the kind of thing that we do when there's something inside of us, or sometimes something inside of our friend. We just want to, okay, just put the blinders on. we'll no, just put up with it and go. That's not God. That's us not him. But it's in this gospel passage that it becomes so clear what God is up to. The owner goes out and sows the good seed in his field. The enemy comes along. And this is, remember, this is a parable. These are Jesus' words here. This is a story that he made up to tell us something about who he is and about what's going on in our lives. What what the heck's wrong with us? The evil one comes along. The evil enemy plants bad seed in there. They both grow up together, and all of a sudden, the uh, the, the farm hands are surprised. Hey, what what's going on? I thought you planted good seed. I did plant good seed. Well, let's go out and just like pull it. We'll rip it out. No, because if you do, you might pull some of the wheat out with it. So we'll wait till the end. Let them grow up beside each other they're intertwined their root systems are interconnected down there they're all wrapped around each other so if you go in there and try to pull out that thorn it's going to uproot a a clod of of other things of the wheat the good things so it begins to shed a little bit more light on that story with abraham and god abraham saying about uh, this town where his, his cousin, his nephew is lot, he said, "God, if there's a if there's hundred good people in there, will you like spare the city?" Said, "Yes, I'll spare the city." If there's 75 good people in that city, God, will you spare the city?" Yes, Abraham, I'll spare the city." And he like works his way all the way down to 10. And that tells us something about how valuable must be those 10 as if he's willing to let. I don't know, 10,000, 5,000 go on in evil for the sake of that 10. I think sometimes we have it reversed about what's more valuable or what's the stronger thing. We look out there and we see this massive evil and say, okay, that's obviously bigger than this. Maybe numerically. What about spiritually? Maybe that good in there is so valuable, it completely outweighs even though there's only 10, completely outweighs everything else that's going in there. And that can happen with the dictator in the country. If if some were, series of events comes that that comes along and there the, the dictators rooted out and all kinds of cataf- catastrophe is avoided, maybe there's no way to do that without destroying that valuable ten that's in there. And in your friend. God doesn't necessarily just come in and, and yank it out because there's some good stuff in there that's growing alongside of that. And sometimes we're not able to sustain what it would, would it be to come in with a, with a club and just start beating that plant down, that, that weed down in order to be, because there's going to be so much collateral damage. And then lastly, inside each one of us, that struggle that we have, that, that weakness that maybe we're aware of, and maybe we're not too. Why does he just like leave it there? Because all that good that's around there, that's wrapped around with the roots tangled up, we're not able to sustain what it would take to pull out the weed. We're we're really complicated. (laughs) We're really, really complicated. But God is merciful and lenient and clement one pro tip, and I'll finish with this, is that if you're probably anything like me and like the rest of humanity, yeah, we want that weed out of there inside ourselves and other places. But really, we can only really focus on ourselves to, to an extent. How do we make it so that God can get that wheat out of there? Well, Well, what if we were to disentangle the wheat and the weed? I think sometimes we've got certain, a certain area in our life that's got some good stuff in it, and there's something that's not so good in there, and we're just clutching onto that with it, and we've got it all bound together, and we're hanging on so tight that there's no way God's gonna get that weed out of there because we got, we're hanging onto it, everything in so hard, including that weed that's in there, along with all the wheat. But what if we were to lack, relax our grip? Take our hands down, open up, Lord, it's all yours. Sometimes it's fear that he's going to touch that good thing. No, no, Lord. no, 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 don't go there. And we're afraid of losing out on what might be good, joyful, noble, holy, enjoyable. We're afraid of losing out on those things. But if we relax our grip and say, Lord, Nothing's off the table. Then he will go in and just extract out that weed. All the roots disentangle. God never takes away anything that is good and enjoyable and what makes life wonderful and noble. He only ever uproots the weeds. So, as we continue on here, keep ask our Lord for that. Lord, help me just to open up because we don't even know necessarily what's really good and what's bad because we have stuff growing in there that we're not even conscious of. But if we're allowing, if we if we sit with Scripture, allow ourselves to soak in that. Sit here and allow ourselves to soak in the in the Eucharist in the in this divine experience that we have, or that at least that we're or we're bringing ourselves to here each week. Then God can start to work things loose and start to pull out these these things that in our lives. That's a lot more comfortable than having someone come along with a, with a billy club and try to beat it out of you with their truth stick to say, hey, well, stop doing that, stop doing that. See, you're going. No, let God do it. He's so gentle. He has... Sorry, wrong book. He is so clement and where is it? He is the master of might but judges with clemency, with leniency and mercy he attends to us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.